Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Okay. Good morning. Okay, so the last clip you saw, NCC has a very long history of winning the belly flop contest at camp. We didn't have camp in 2020 because of COVID, but uh, behind the drums is our 2019 champ, Ian. And um, he is a man, a myth, a legend. As soon as we got to camp, they started asking, was any of his sisters going to be able to live up to those standards? And Lila is our first place winner. She won first place. And if that isn't absolutely amazing, one of our sponsors, Carla, won second place. So, um, with all that being said, this year to Wired Camp, we took a total of 51 people. Um, we started out on a three-and-a-half-hour journey to Huntsville, which took about four-and-a-half. Restroom stops take about 30 minutes of pop whenever there's 51 people. Um, this would not have been possible without some of our amazing volunteers. We have Amanda Thomas. We have Lena White, Eric White, Terry Despain, Carla, Van Carla, and Andrea De Palma. They basically dedicated a week of their time to go hang out with amazing kids. And y'all really do have amazing kids. When you pull them away from their electronics, the conversations that are had will blow your mind. It really does. And the things that they'll share with you, it just, you you have amazing kids. And I want to let you know as a parent, as a grandparent, as an adult in a youth's life, they really just want you to listen and to love them. And a lot of times we think we're loving them, and it just may be in ways that they're not able to receive it. But they just want to know that they're heard and they're loved. So the theme of this year was enough. He is enough, I am enough, and enough is enough. And one of the exercises that we went through were fill in the blank, and it was I am not blank enough. And if you heard the hundreds of responses that came through and how much of them were all the same, it would break your heart. And so as a, as a parent, as, as an adult, as anyone in a youth life, please keep reassuring them that he is enough and they're enough because he is enough. We had five different churches from the Lampasas area that went with us that were represented. So that's pretty amazing. Shows unity in our area. And one of the things that touched me the most was this song that we're going to play for you. It's called Rattle. It was written by Elevation Church. And it talks about Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is where um, God brings Ezekiel into a valley, and it is dry bones. And I cannot stress that enough. So sometimes we think they were just kind of laying there. This was dry bones. There was nothing left on them but bones. And God asked him, can these bones come to life? And the whole message that they wanted to teach us that night was, how many times does God ask us a question, and we try to weigh in and give the answer? He is never going to ask us a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. And the big thing about this passage is Ezekiel was a smart enough man to know he didn't have the answer. So when God asked him if this could be done, he said, you know what can be done. He didn't weigh in his two cents. And so that was absolutely life-changing for some of us. The other part is there's a verse in this song that says, I believe there's another miracle left in this room. And I saw miracles at camp. And I believe that there's miracles in this room. And I believe that there's still more miracles left to come. So I absolutely want you all to stand on your feet and let's get ready to rattle this building. 
Saturday was silent Surely it was through Since when has impossible Ever stopped you Friday's disappointment Is Sunday's empty too Since when has impossible Ever stopped you Bones rattling. This is the phrase make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
glory and all praise and all honor, Lord. Just as the stone, what happens when God says, move? Lord, your word never comes back void. Every word you have spoken will come to pass or already has come to pass, Lord. And we thank you for your word, not only the words that you have spoken, but the words you continue to speak. And you're speaking, live in the name of Jesus, Father. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. Uh, I just want to take a moment. If uh, any uh, youth and any volunteer that's here uh, that went to camp, would you stand up real quick just to see uh, who's all here? Stand up. Volunteers and camp members, yeah. Thank you. Thank you all. You can be seated. And again, thank all the volunteers, including Amanda. So Amanda didn't mention herself. She's our, our youth director. Yeah, we want to thank her for everything she does. She's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, and they had a wonderful, wonderful time. And just the kids were ministered to, and we're so thankful for them. Uh, I had a, well, and actually, before we go into the message, I just want to take a quick second to say, uh, normally during this service, we would have our kids' ministry, uh, which is first through fifth grade going on. Uh, because of all of our youth and youth volunteers and leaders that were willing to participate in this service today, we didn't have the volunteers that we normally would have available and didn't realize that until we were in the middle of this week. So we sent out some emails and Facebook posts, but just want to apologize if you uh, didn't get that word until you got here this morning or if you're a guest. Um, just want you to be aware that normally we would have our children's ministry going, going on uh, in the NCC West building, just uh, west of our parking lot. We do still have the uh, birth through kindergarten ministry this morning. Uh, your, your children and youth are always welcome to join us in, in the service if you'd like them to, uh, but we also have those ministries available for them. Well, I had, I had planned on starting a series actually next week on prophecy. Uh, a lot of times when you hear a message or, or someone is speaking on prophecy, it's, it's like end times or, you know, we're talking about revelation uh, or something of that nature. But that really isn't what this series is going to be, be about. It's just uh, prophetic words, which is just God speaking. That's really what a prophetic word is. And I was going to start that next week, but as we were uh, beginning to plan for this service this morning, uh, and, and uh, Amanda came back uh, asking Brandon if he would play that rattle song, and that's actually a song that I talked to him about quite a, quite a while ago, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a little bit, um, but knew they were going to be playing that, and I was like, well, let's just keep the theme on, <laughs> keep the same theme all the way across the board, but as I got into it, if you, if you recognize some of those words, that's actually a, the song is based off of a prophetic word from Ezekiel chapter 37. So then it was like, oh, well, we are going to start the, the prophetic series today just a little bit different than, than I'd planned. Uh, before we get into the message, though, I just want to start out with a short definition of the word prophesy. Uh, and, and that's the word that's used in Ezekiel chapter 37 when God uh, says to Ezekiel, prophesy over these dry bones. And so we translate the word in the Old Testament, nabah, uh, to the English word prophesy. And this word means to speak by inspiration, to speak under the influence of God's spirit. And I just love that definition because usually if we think under the influence, something else comes to mind, right? 
Um, and I, it's just our culture. We're, it's under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of drugs, whatever. But as I was reading this, I was like, isn't that awesome to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And that is what happens when we prophesy. And it's the prediction of future events. But it's not us coming up with something or imagining a future that we desire. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon someone, giving them a prophetic word, a word about the future that God is declaring. And when God says something, we can count on it that it will happen. So basically, when someone is prophesying, they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, speaking by inspiration, and are speaking the words that God is giving them, not their own. And most of the time, the words are given by God to give us a glimpse of what is coming. And the reason that he does this is so that when it comes to pass, and when we see that his word was spoken and comes out true, we know that God did it. He says, you will know it was me if it actually happens. And, and we'll get into that as we go more into the series. But even prophets would say, hey, if this doesn't come to pass, you can kill me. Because you know it wasn't a word from the Lord. But if it comes to pass, then you know that God spoke it. And it didn't come from the man or the woman that may have been, give, given the, word, the prophetic word. Numbers 23:19. This, this one won't be on your screen, but on the screen, but it says, "God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and he will, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it?" And that's basically saying, if God says it, he's going to do it, and you can count on it. We may not know the day or the hour that it's going to come to pass, but we can rest assured that he's going to accomplish it. And so I've shared a testimony uh, multiple times uh, with you, and I know many of you are new, so you probably haven't heard any of those, uh, but some of you may have heard bits and pieces of this. But back in November, early November of last year, my father uh, came down with COVID. And uh, as we walked through that process, God spoke a lot during that time. And in October, so a month before that happened, God brought this uh, rattle song to me. It just, I don't know, if, I can't remember if I found it on, you know, if somebody liked it on Facebook or whatever, but I just heard it. I started listening to it, was listening to it over and over. God was really just speaking something to me uh, in it, and I couldn't even really describe it. I just knew he was bringing me to it. And uh, we had an elders meeting or a, a retreat uh, with, with the eldership of our church in early October. And I actually played the song for him there and said, I don't know what this is about. God's just really putting this on my heart. I think he's speaking to us something through it, and I just want you to hear it too and be uh, praying with me about it. And so I did and uh, just continued to kind of listen to it and, and pray about it. Uh, and then when all this started happening with my father and when he was diagnosed with COVID, as you know, uh, a big part of that disease is, is, is it's attacking your lungs. You can't breathe. Um, well, this song is based off of Ezekiel chapter 37, and part of it is saying, prophesy to the four winds of the earth and call breath to come into them that they might live. And so even before, uh, I'll, I'll kind of give you a glimpse of what, how the story starts to play out, but my father would go on a ventilator. And so even before he had been put on the ventilator, I was already uh, singing the song, praying the song over him and just praying healing. And we were believing for healing, we really thought the whole time um, when he first got diagnosed, they just said, you know, here's some, some medicine, go on home. And, you know, if you get to the point where you can't breathe, come back. 
And so we were just like, well, he's going to get better. You know, two weeks, ten days will go by, and it's all going to be good. And so he, he went home, and, and, you know, we're just praying. But at that point, we really, like, I hadn't made any real connection at that point uh, with this word then, because um, we really just thought, oh, it's nothing. He's healthy. He's, you know, in shape and all those kind of things, and he's just going to get better. Um, but as it went on, he wasn't getting better. It was lingering on. Um, and he wasn't going back to the hospital because they'd actually told him, uh, don't come back till you can't breathe, <laughs> like if, if you just can't breathe at all. And so he was waiting for this just horrible situation before he would go back. And um, my mom had checked his oxygen level, and I think it was like down to 70 or something like that. And I called Amanda, our, she's also uh, a nurse practitioner here at the Family Medicine Clinic, and, and I was like, here's what they've said, here's what it is, you know, should he just keep waiting? And she's like, no, he, he needs to go in right now. And so I called, and um, rather than just giving him some oxygen and sending him home, they admitted him into the, the hospital there in the small town that they live in. And he was there for a few days, uh, would eventually get transferred to Amarillo, and during that time we still are kind of just thinking, it's going to get better, but once he was hospitalized and this started, I was really, you know, praying, okay, God, heal, heal those lungs, give him breath, get this, you know, we're just going to believe for healing and, and he's going to, going to recover. Um, and so uh, it didn't, it just kept getting worse, though. Um, and so on, on Thursday, November 12th, um, I was in a texting conversation with him, and over the last few days before he would go on the ventilator, I had stopped having any phone conversations with him because if he talked, it would take all of his oxygen. He couldn't breathe. He'd cough more, so it would just irritate the cough. So we pretty much just had text-only conversations. And this is, an, is a miracle in and of itself that Candy will attest to that I still have this text conversation because um, I always, if I'm done with the conversation, I just delete it. It's like clutter to me, so like i got to get it all out of the way. Um, so this is a conversation, though, that I still have in, in text. And so and I went back and actually, you know, pulled out the word. So this is Thursday, November 12th, just after 1 p.m. I texted him and let him know I loved him and was praying for him. Uh, about an hour later, he texted back that he didn't respond because he'd fallen asleep and that he'd had a rough morning, but he was doing fine now. And this is something else that kind of came to light after the fact is he's real positive. He didn't want us to worry, so he was always just like, it's, he was always better. <laughs> you know, it's, it's getting better. Um, 251, I texted him. So this is, this is the link. 251, I texted him the link to this song that we just sang and uh, asked him if he'd listen to it, told him I'd been praying uh, it over him and believing uh, that God was going to heal him and, and told him to listen to it. Uh, and he said he hadn't listened to it. He really couldn't hear it well because of the sound of the oxygen machine. Um, he said my mom was going to bring him some earphones and you know, then he'd be able to hear it better, and he'd listen to it again. Uh, then I texted him at 8.10, and I asked in the evening, and asked if he was coughing less and how he was doing. Once again, he said he was doing much better and coughing less than in the morning. And so the last text that I sent him was at 8.29 p.m. on Thursday, November 12th, and said, praying for miraculous healing tonight while you sleep. And then his last text was about 15 minutes later, and he said, amen, thank you, son. So in the middle of the night that night, my father was put on the ventilator. And so totally out of the blue for us, we didn't think, you know, the last thing I got was, I'm doing better than this morning. Um, and so one of the things that hit us the hardest about that 
was that we'd even heard, you know, known other people that had gone through that situation, but they all had a chance and kind of knew it was coming, so they kind of had this conversation and, you know, said bye in case it was goodbye and, you know, all those things um, before they went on. And so in the middle of the night, my mom got a phone call, had maybe a 15-second conversation with my dad just saying, so this is what you want. He barely, you know, could say yes. She said she loved him. He said he, she, he loved her, and they put him on the ventilator. And so that was it. So then we get a call very early in the morning um, when, we, when we wake up that, that he's on the ventilator. And, you know, he's uh, basically in an induced coma, so there's no more communication. And I, I didn't mention it earlier, but as most of you know, back then, uh, during those times, from the moment that he was put in the hospital in Hereford, there was no contact between even my mother. You know, no one could go in, nobody could see him, nobody could hold his hand, nobody could be with him. And so it was all phone calls and, you know, video chats and all that kind of stuff. Um, at this point, all that was gone because now he can't communicate. And we would try to have some communications with, like, nurses and holding up iPads and just so he could hear our voice and stuff. But they were so busy and overwhelmed, you know, that might happen once a week or so. Um, so that, that was very difficult time. Uh, and so that morning, the doctor was not very hopeful. Uh, basically, anything that was supposed to be low was high, and anything that was, should be high was low. Like, all his readings and things like that were not good. And he wanted my mother to sign a DNR um, already, you know, that very first morning. Um, so she called myself and my brother, and we talked, and we were just like, you know, it hadn't even been four hours yet. We're like, come on. You know, let's, let's wait and give it a chance. Um, and so, so we said no and just, you know, continued to pray. Um, I, you know, started again, you know, I was listening to this, praying this uh, word that I felt like God had given me. Uh, so before, before I tell the rest of the story, I want to share with you Ezekiel 37, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, they were very, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. Like Amanda was saying, there's nothing on them. They're dry bones. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So he's asking Ezekiel that question, and that's what she was referring to. And his response was not a yes or a no. He said, God, only you know. You're the only one that knows if these bones can live. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied and he, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. 
Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So God, first of all, let me just say the context of this passage is exactly what it finished off. God was speaking to Ezekiel, to the people of Israel, and that, he was, that they were like a dead people, like those dry bones, uh, because they had been scattered and dispersed. And God was saying, I'm going to raise you up out of the grave, and you are going to know this is a word from me when it actually happens. I'm telling you what's going to happen before it happens, and when it does, you will know the word of the Lord was spoken, and I'll get all the glory. So that's the context. I'm not trying to say at all that this passage was, was written uh, for the situation that my family and I walked through through my father. That being said, God can use his word and speak to us and say, here's a word for you in this situation. And so that's where I believe God was speaking to us and was saying uh, through that song that he spoke to me a month before it happened, uh, through that sending me into a study on Ezekiel 37, through all of that coming together, And I can tell you, I was proclaiming this scripture uh, and prophesying to the breath, prophesying to the four winds and saying, God, you said he was going to live. And so you bring that breath back into his lungs. You bring him back to life uh, because only your breath uh, will give him life. And the the other thing that came up during this time, and this was after he had been placed on the ventilator, uh, was I remembered as a, as a kid growing up that my father received prophetic words over the years. And I didn't remember what they were. A lot of them I never heard the whole specific or read the whole word, uh, but my parents had written them down and had them. Um, and what I remembered was multiple different words that he had received. My, they said, uh, these things haven't happened yet. And that's all I knew. You know, it's a very vague from my memory, just knowing He's received words that have not happened yet. So I stood on that word and said, okay, God, if you gave words to my father that have not happened yet, he's going to live. There's no question. If those were words from the Lord, he will live. And so I sent a text to my mom and I said, send me the words. I will take pictures. You know, I want those words that, that you've said you know, were spoken of him and haven't happened yet. So she took pictures and sent them to me. The funny thing, and I'll, I'll share this in just a moment, um, is she couldn't read them because they were written in her handwriting and she couldn't read it anymore. Um, but thankfully, my handwriting is the worst of the family, so her handwriting was legible. Um, but I didn't know she hadn't read them yet. And when I read it, you'll see why I was so shocked that she didn't, like, you know, wasn't more excited when she just sent them because she was just like, here they are. Um, so uh, one of the things that God spoke to me very specifically, though, from the song was, even, was about the days. So uh, in the song, they're pulling two things together, at least actually three different stories in the Bible or accounts in the Bible. Um, but the two that I'm referring to are uh, the Ezekiel 37 and then uh, Jesus being raised from the dead. So they're pulling those two things into, you know, into one song. 
Um, but it was the days of Jesus being in the tomb and the silence on Saturday um, and then being resurrected on Sunday that God specifically spoke something to me at the very beginning uh, when it happened. So Thursday night was at 8 o'clock. We sent those texts. Uh, Friday, after that uh, word had been spoken, um, and, or he went on the ventilator and my mom let us know and we're in the middle of that and I'm listening to this. God spoke to me about these, these days. It says, um, and the song says, Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? And Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. But since when has impossible ever stopped you? And so Friday was nothing but disappointment. I mean, that is all it was. And every word they had was negative. Uh, Saturday was basically silent, like they said. And I, I was burning brush that morning behind our house, just, you know, out there physically working, trying to get my mind kind of off it. And I was listening to this song on loop, I mean, just over and over and over. And I'm praying those words and prophesying to the wind. Just <laughs> God, give him breath, bring breath into his lungs. Um, and it just kind of stayed that same all day Saturday um, with just really no word and, and everything was the same. Uh, Sunday morning, we're here. Um, I can't remember if I was preaching that morning or not. Um, I do know that I was sitting right there and got a text from my brother um, and rush out to the foyer and call him uh, you know, when we were in worship. And um, everything, all those readings that were off had come into line. Um, and, and he was stable. And so he's still on the ventilator, still unconscious, but the doctor then said, okay, we can wait and see what happens. <laughs> you know, at least uh, you know, it was a glimmer of hope. And as we uh, would go through this process, it was an up and down of getting worse and getting better. And those of you who are here during that time, you know that you know, we kind of get regular updates. And, and by no means do I feel like, like it was just my prayers alone. I mean, be, from this church, uh, there were countless ones of you that God spoke words and prophetic words through you that you gave to me during that time that came through and came to pass. Uh, and thousands of people, people in her, you know, I mean, so lots and lots of prayers. I mean, it, it was, the body came together to pray and believe and stand on the word that God had said. Um, and he did it. Uh, but the reason that we never wavered in our hope is because we believed God had spoken both then and previously through prophetic words, uh, and, and he was going to come through. And uh, the last time that I went um, to Amarillo, during, you know, like I said, they wouldn't let us see him. So it was the third time that he, the doctor was saying there's no hope, basically. Um, and he was going to let us see him so that we would agree with him and let him go. Like he, the only reason he was letting us in was that we might give up. I mean, that, that was honestly the, the reasoning. Um, and so I left here to drive to Amarillo, and for six and a half hours on the way there, that song was on loop, and I was praying it and proclaiming it all the way there. And I don't remember what, I didn't look that up to see like what day, night that was. Um, it was getting close to Christmas, um, so late December. And I get there and meet with my mom and brother, and we pray, and um, we all go to sleep. And I, she'd actually come up from Hereford to Amarillo, and I was, so we all spent the night at my brother's house there. So we were just a few minutes away from the hospital, and we were going to go the next morning. And, you know, just praying, God, only, you know, it's in your hands. Um, 
And so we wake up, we call to, you know, get the logistics of where we go, how do we get in, what do we, you know, all that stuff. And we get to the nurse on the floor, and he says, I don't think they're going to let you in. Um, he's improved. He's doing, he's like almost like awake. And like he's still on the ventilator, but like a night and day, you know, 100% turnaround. Um, and so once again, I mean, so we were obviously, praise God, you know, this is great news. But now we weren't once again going to be able to see him. Um, and so that was really good. Uh, went well for a little bit. And then again kind of went down down hill and the nurses basically finally convinced the doctor they were like he hasn't seen family for you know at this point it's almost been two months not heard their voice not they were like he just needs to see them you know give let them in and so he finally let them in let us in and from that point on it was just like a you know uh shooting up and and when we went in that day uh, which i think it was like maybe the 23rd or 24th of december um we prophesied these words over and prophesied the words that I'm about to read you, which we've been doing over and over and even over the iPad. So nurses heard this. People, I mean, like, they were all seeing what we were doing this whole time, um, and that witness was, you know, was being proclaimed. Um, but I guarantee that whole floor heard, uh, <laughs> heard what we were proclaiming over him in the Word of God when we got, finally got to be there uh, in person and praying over him. So here's the, here's the two words that, that I, out of all those, that specifically I pulled out uh, during that time. The first was a word from 1983. So this is 38 years ago. And it says, I have brought you unto a place of death that you might seek the giver of life. I have brought you unto a place of thirst and dryness that you might seek the fountain of living waters, for I desire to be desired by you. The second word was given to him in 1988. So this one's 33 years ago. The enemy tried to come in and pull you down and even bury you. God says that this is not unto death. For God says the knives that came against you, I have pulled them out of you. And God says even though the enemy will try and do some more against you, stand firm and be a blessing because I want to open your mouth and I want to put my words in it that you may bless the people. Um, So you can see when I read these, and this was still when he was you know, out and, you know, on the ventilator, not conscious, why I got so excited and was like, how could you have not mentioned this, you know, when you sent it to me? That's when she said, well, I couldn't read them. Um, So, and it's interesting, even the thing of the knives, about God pulling out all the knives that had been placed in them, even as he started going through the recovery, the doctor was like, he's not going to be able to go home. He's not going to be all the way there. Uh, He's not, uh, he couldn't, he didn't have use of his right leg or right arm for a while, and uh, he was like, your mom, you know, she's not going to be able to care for him. He's going to be in a nursing home. You know, all these things that, again, you know, now he's not saying he's going to die. He's just saying it's going to be really bad. And we're now proclaiming this word, saying, no, God said every knife that was put in is going to be taken out. And before he was released from the hospital, he went straight home, had full movement, was totally healed. The only thing that he went home with was oxygen, um, and that's, and he's about, you know, getting weaned off of that. Yes, praise the Lord. And so during that time, I remember um, even when he was still under on the ventilator, you know, people would say, "How? Why are you so calm? Why are you um, seeming like you're at peace?" 
uh, and I mean, the truth is we were, we were, we were battling, I mean, and, and praying these scriptures and believing on these words. Um, but the truth was there was a peace. There was a confidence. I didn't doubt or waver because I was like, I believe these are words from God. So they have to come, like, it's just a matter of when. And, and he was in the hospital a total of 86 days. He was on the ventilator for six weeks. And I really believe that uh, last text, and that's what we prayed for the whole way, God is going to miraculously heal you while you sleep. And what I thought would be a one-night, you know, maybe healing, it took six weeks of sleeping on a ventilator before he was healed. But God did it. It wasn't the ventilator. It wasn't, sure wasn't the optimism of the doctor. Um, it was none of those things. It was the word of the Lord. And God said, live. And so he lived. And, you know, there, there are situations, there are circumstances where, you know, we all probably know someone who's passed away from that disease. It's not ever that God is going to heal or do anything in every circumstance. What we're saying is when God speaks a word, we know that he's going to do that. And in this circumstance, we knew God had spoken. So his word had to come to pass. It wasn't that he was special, that there was anything, that there was a reason he was going to be healed and this person wasn't. The reason was, is because he had said, I have something else for you to do, and this is going to happen. And 38 years and 33 years ago, he spoke of this very circumstance that they never understood before. But when it happened, it was like, oh, Lord, you know, oh, my God, but to you, my God how great you are, how awesome you are. When you speak a word, it does not come back void. You will do it. And what I want you to walk away this morning with is that God still speaks through prophecy today. We're going to be looking at prophecy and prophetic words in depth over the next four weeks. And whether you've ever received a prophetic word or not, know that God still speaks today. And maybe you have received a prophetic word uh, that still hasn't come to pass. But if you believe it was him that spoke it, no. Whether it was a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago, that he is going to bring it to pass. One of the scriptures that Amanda mentioned that they talked about at camp was the, um, oh, it's on everybody's wall and things that I'm going to bless you and uh, yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I've got promise of hope and a future and all these, and it's, and it's an awesome promise. But they were about to go into 70 years of captivity before that promise would be made. So many of them were going to die in captivity, never see the fulfillment of that word. And the other part is, it was to a specific time and place and for specific people. So we can't just grab that word and say that it's ours. I couldn't just grab Ezekiel 37 and proclaim it. The reason I was proclaiming it was because I believed God spoke it to me for this particular situation. And it was if God spoke it, then he's going to do it. And it goes, it's the same way today. The other thing is um, not always thinking everything is going to be what we would call good. Circumstances are going to be good, hopeful, whatever, you know, uh, that, you know, well, he said everything's going to be good. He's got uh, plans and a future and a hope, and so it's all going to be good. Not necessarily to our definition of good. What is good is God's will. That is always good. And uh, there, there's a story, uh, uh, Paul, he was going to his death uh, in Rome, and he knew it. And when he went places, they were saying, don't go to Rome, because they're going to kill you. 
And he's like, why are you breaking my heart? Why are, why are you bringing this up to me? I know what's going to happen. That's what the Holy Spirit told me I'm going to do and where I'm going. So he was like, that is the word of the Lord. That is his calling on my life, and I'm happy to do it. That's it. That's it. God said it, and it's going to happen. And so when we have a word from him, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to be roses. What it means is you're going to be able to stand on that word and be faithful. And the word says over and over, he who is faithful to the end is going to be saved. And when we have a word from God, we can be faithful all the way to the end, no matter what circumstances may go on the way. So we can be encouraged that if God said it, he will do it. And I want to encourage you, if God is speaking to you today, if he spoke to you years ago, if he speaks to you tomorrow, write it down and keep it and look back at it. If my parents hadn't written those words down 38 years ago and 33 years ago, I don't doubt God would have still done it. He would have, the same thing would have happened, but we would not be able to stand here today and give God all the glory because he said it and he did it. We would have forgot that he said it. Yet he would, his word would have still come to pass because he said it and he's going to do it. And so when we hold on to those words, we can know and in the middle of those things, we can be at peace. We can have confidence in him knowing that he is going to do everything that he has said he will do. I'm excited about the words that God has spoken and is speaking not only over the body of Christ, over Lampasas, and over this church, and each one of you individually. And that's where we're, we're going to get into next week, is we've got words that God has spoken uh, over this congregation. And I believe we're in the beginning of seeing some of those happen. Um, and, and we're kind of looking like, okay, God, it's all you. <laughs> you know, you said it, you got to do it. Um, and, and that's where I initially intended on starting the series. But like I said, this made for, for a great example. The, it's all, it was all about prophecy, and it's all uh, about current words God is speaking and has fulfilled. And so the, the word that I'll bring next week is going to talk about words that, yeah, we might be seeing the glimpses or the beginnings of it, but they have not been fulfilled. And so we're going to, to share those with you, go through those with you, and and one of the parts of, of one of those words is we need to pray. We need to pray and ask that God will do what he said and will use us in every way that he's calling us to. So it's good. <laughs> it's good. God's plan is good, and he's speaking life. He is speaking life, and he is at work today. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Uh, for the word that we have in the Bible. I thank you for your spoken word that you continue to speak. I thank you that you uh, speak through your Holy Spirit. Your word says that he will bring all truth to us, and he speaks truth, uh, your word, your truth to us today, Lord, about events that are happening today and even that will happen tomorrow in our life, Lord, in the, in the life of this church, in the life of this community, in the life of the body of Christ, Lord, you see us, you know us, and you speak words about what will happen and what is to come so that there will be no doubt in anyone's mind uh, that you did it, that you made it come to pass, and that all glory and all honor will be yours and yours alone. 
Lord, and we thank you for that word. I pray that you will open our hearts to hear, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see what you're doing. I pray that the words that you have spoken and are speaking to the people in this room right now, Lord, that they will write it down, that they will remember it, that they will give it to you, Lord, uh, and trust that you will bring it to pass and that they will step out in faith when the opportunity comes. Lord, we give you all glory and all honor and all praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That should be an amazingly encouraging word for you. Last week, Pastor Darrell talked to us about the Goliaths in our life, living in God's will, not listening to all those other voices. Those other voices will always be around, but praise God, His voice is always around. He's still speaking. He's speaking right now. And He's telling you some things. Uh, He's telling you individuals some things. I'm not prophesying right now. He's telling you individually some things right now that you need to hear. You just need to listen. Stop listening to those outside interfering noises and listen to what God has to say for you. Amen? A couple of uh, announcements for you real quick. Uh, We are almost, we're, we're winding up our drive for the New Beginnings of Restoration Hope Resource Center here in Lampasas. The, the Pregnancy Help Center here in Lampasas. If you haven't picked up a baby bottle, please do so. Take it home, put a little change in it, put a dollar bill in it, write them a check, put a scripture in it, bless them with something in that baby bottle, and bring it back. If you've already taken one, don't forget that drive ends on July 25th. Okay. Common Grounds is still closed through August 6th, so the Hensleys can go, Hensleys can go on vacation and do spring hoe. And lastly... If you're a married couple, I'm giving you a heads up. Get some child care because on Friday, July 23rd at 6 p.m., we're going to have bingo night. If you've been to it before, you're going to come again. If you haven't, talk to somebody who has been. It's a great time. Fellowship, we're going to have snacks. We're going to have a good time together. So line up child care. Be here on Friday night. Thank you all for coming this week. Be blessed. Talk to one another about what God is saying to you. Sure, come on up. Let's see what happens. What's your name? This is Jonna. Hi. Um, I had a wonderful time at camp. Uh, My favorite part was worship. I could not believe all the people that didn't care that anybody was watching them and that they came up and they they lifted their hands and they they yelled and it was it was perfect and. I I came back here and I was almost disappointed because I still felt it, but I realized that not everybody else did. And it hurt that I didn't feel that everybody else did. And I just wanted that again. I wanted everybody to not care. And almost like when I was at camp and I, I was lifting my hands and I was, I was yelling and I was singing with everybody else, I felt him say, finally, you don't care that there's anybody else watching you. And I, I felt him so many different times that past week. And... Listening to him was a miracle, and I 
feeling him and it hurts to know that other people don't and I just I want you to know that he doesn't care that anybody else is watching you and you shouldn't either so just do whatever feels right because it is and he sees it as beautiful and perfect and it doesn't matter living proof that if you sponsored camp this year, if you gave towards it, if you prayed for them, if you went and helped, you're making a difference. That's the future of our church. That's the future of our community. Amen. Thank y'all. Be a witness this week as you go out and be blessed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 